I think one of the, the interesting things about us as marketers is because we're so focused and dedicated on our external marketing mm. that sometimes we forget that actually there's a bit of a role to be played there in the internal marketing around mm. what we do. B2B has the potential to be electrifying. But the industry is paralysed by a culture of conservatism, scared stiff in a straitjacket of rational ideas. It's time for change. It's time to make B2B marketing visceral. Join us as we uncover and explore the truth with leading B2B marketers. This is B2B Marketing, the provocative truth. Welcome to B2B Marketing, the provocative truth. I'm Richard. And I'm Benedict. Today, we have Kat Dutton with us. Kat, um, it's been a long while since we had this in the diary. It has. I'm very, very <laughs> pleased to have you uh, here t- with us today. Would you, like to give your, uh, would you like to give the audience a quick intro to yourself? Yeah, sure. So, hi everyone, I'm Kat Dutton. I'm recently appointed as Vice President of EMEA Marketing for a company called Pegasystems. Um, my career background is predominantly in large IT um, B2B organisations. Um, I was previously at Atos for eight years um, as global CMO. And before that, I was at Fujitsu, where I did a range of business related and marketing roles. Fantastic. Well, great to have you here. Thank you. Um, so today we're talking uh, about a number of different things, but one, where we want to start is uh, talking about how the role of marketing has changed in B2B over the last number of years. Um, and obviously, as a very seasoned marketing operator in uh, large IT businesses, I'm sure you've got a lot of experience in working board levels and uh, with different stakeholders within large organisations. So I suppose where to start is how would you define the role of marketing in B2B right now? Yeah, and I I think, Rich, it's it's changed, right? It's changed over time. And I think, you know, B2B marketing is always going to be around really generating new demand um, for an organisation. It's always going to have a focus on brand. It's always going to have a focus on um, working directly with sales and supporting the business growth. Um, I think predominantly the the main kind of um, role I see at the moment is really about making sure that an organisation is client centric or customer centric. Um, I think, you know, with the pandemic, obviously people were almost forced from a marketing perspective to really engage with their clients in a different way. Um, You know, all of the different digital marketing techniques that kind of came into that. Um, But I think that also gave marketers an opportunity to step up and be that voice of the customer for their businesses. Um, So I very much see that as kind of um, continuing in terms of the role of marketing. I think the other thing that, you know, will will obviously not change either is is that growth and really driving that growth for the organisation. I think it's very different still in B2C environments where marketing is just assumed that it is driving the growth of the organisation. It's part of that board. I don't think in the B2B landscape that organisations are 100% there yet. I think marketers in B2B still have you know, a role to kind of um, really be more strategic. Um, And as part of that, really show that return on investment and the impact on the bottom line for an organisation. So I think being that growth engine for for the company is really a kind of vital Mm. role for marketing. So you you talk there about the the fact that marketers need to become more strategic in Mm. order to really own growth within the organisation. And that's something which is on marketers ultimately to develop and grow. But do you feel that there are any other barriers within the organisation, maybe not in marketing itself, but within other departments, which are 
eventing marketing taking that role? Yeah, I think I think sometimes marketing is um, still seen as a cost in some respects and almost an mm. overhead. And I think, you know, bu- building that relationship and, you know, those different interactions with different cross-functional teams across the business mm. is really important. Um, you know, not not just with the, the finance team, obviously, and not, not being seen as a cost, but really being able to kind of explain how marketing can support the wider business and what's important to those individuals. So I, th- I think it's just really important to, to build out on that network and relationships mm. with different people across the company so they understand the yeah. value that marketing can bring and that it's not seen as an overhead. Mm. And anecdotally, what are the sort of things that you hear from the business which make you think that it is still considered to be a cost centre? Because that's something which, you know, I mean, I've, mm. I've definitely, uh, you know, unfortunately heard before from marketers, but it's always really interesting to understand how does that actually manifest in terms of the business being critical of marketing? I think it's making sure that you know the marketers that, that are within the team are bringing you insight to conversations and almost challenging using data and insight that mm. they've got to, to challenge other individuals. I, some, I sometimes think that that maybe not be done enough and that's why some of that language comes across around, yeah, but what's the impact that marketing's having or you know, what, why would we even bring marketing into that conversation? Mm. I, think, I think marketers need to be slightly braver and um, more vocal by bringing that insight and depth of knowledge, particularly around the client landscape, into conversations. And it will help change that mm. conversation that takes place. Yeah. And how have you gone about getting the right sorts of insight and data to support that? I suppose, I mean, like, whether this is the right time period, but rewind three and a half years, we're in a pre-pandemic environment. So before, as you said, mm. they become the sort of the centre of client centricity within the organisation. If you were to have the knowledge that you have now and you were to put together a plan three and a half years ago for how you could get the right data, change those minds. What would you do? What would you uh, sort of put down in that plan? Yeah, I I would invest more in really understanding the marketing tech landscape that Mm -hmm. you've got in place. I think, you know, the the power now of data analytics online is is so important, you know, and I think... um, you know, I think a lot of people on, on this podcast will have seen there's a, there's a diagram that shows actually how many different marketing technology yes, platforms, applications you can use. I think last last count I saw was about 3,000 different tech products. It, it is um, insane to, to look at the it, evolution of that growth yeah. over the last 10 years. Yeah. You know, it started off as a matrix of 10 items and now it's just a massive ecosystem that's so overwhelming for the marketing community. Yeah, it's, it's massive. Um but I think it's really investing in that strategic piece around mm. understanding what is the outcome that you want to drive and what insight do you want to get. I think the biggest thing that, that I'd done in my previous role was we'd, we'd spent sort of 12 months really reviewing what that digital MarTech landscape looked like, putting a strategy in place so that we could get an integrated tech stack. And that made a massive difference in terms mm. of the insight that was coming through and being able to see what does that picture look like from an end client perspective on how they're interacting with the brand, mm. how they're engaging, and where you then put your investments in from mm. a marketing perspective? Um, so I would definitely, you know, any, anyone that's kind of on that journey with MarTech, just really look at what is the tech that you're investing in, because the biggest piece that comes from that is does everything integrate mm. to give you one picture? 
but also making sure that the marketers go on that journey. And sometimes it can be a bit of a cultural shift yeah. for people yep. as well. And it's not just about investing in that new shiny of tech, mm. but really understanding what is that data and insight that that gives you. And how would, in, and I'm just trying, almost trying to imagine what that would look like in terms of a process of identifying where you should go in, as Rich said, a very sort of overwhelming uh, landscape. From your perspective, who does that best sit with within the within your organisation to go through? Because that's a project in itself, to be honest. That's not Absolutely. just sort of a, an afternoon's bit of Googling and be like, well, this, this is what you should invest in. Yeah. That's a whole sort of like project of identifying what the particular needs are and doing all of that research. Where did it sit within your organisation? And, you know, with the benefit is hindsight, what's the perfect place or the perfect team to see that through? Yeah, it, it needs to be a multifunctional team. Yeah. Um, you know, I think from an overall responsibility perspective, I think from an end user engagement, that absolutely sits with marketing. Mm -hmm. But in terms of being part of um, a tech stack, that should sit with the IT department. The, the other people that um, we'd included as part of that overall project was key stakeholders across the business as well yeah. mm. in the different business units and, and functions. Um, but I would say predominantly kind of marketing and IT working together mm. to make that happen. Som sometimes MarTech sits in just the IT function mm. and decisions are made where actually from an end user perspective, the, the tools aren't engaging or aren't yeah. driving the behaviors that you want your clients to, to illustrate. Um, so I think it genuinely does need to be a collaboration, particularly from the end user piece with marketing leading on that. So, so we, and that, I think that's very, very relevant. And we talk about, um, you know, the different stakeholders that you need to involve in the different decision-making processes mm -hmm. to bring them on the journey. So I want to go back a little bit when you were talking mm -hmm. about um, something that's quite jarring, actually, right? So marketing needing to be seen as this growth engine within the organisation, but also it being mm -hmm. seen as a potential cost centre. So when we're talking about um, the stakeholder relationships, obviously MarTech is one example where... Traditionally, obviously, tech investment has been dealt with by IT, yeah. but obviously without marketing's say in that, then they'll be implementing IT solutions or tech solutions that might not be fit for purpose. Mm -hmm. So how, do you na how, how are marketers needing to navigate the, the stakeholder landscape to ensure that they are seen in every area as that growth engine rather than that cost centre? Because costs are going up. Yeah. given technologies and, and costs of marketing, et cetera. So how, how have you dealt with that internally? Yeah, I think um, investing the time, spending the time to, to really get to know the different members of the board, um, particularly if, you, if you're at CMO level, really investing in those relationships, those peer-to-peer -peer relationships. Um, I think, you know, the, the other thing I would say is being able to really illustrate and show tangible impact and results and over communicate. I think one of the, the interesting things about us as marketers is because we're so focused and dedicated on our external marketing mm. that sometimes we forget that actually there's a bit of a role to be played there in the internal marketing around mm. what we do. Um, you know, and I, I, I think depending on which organization you, you know, you work in and, and what the business strategy is, does depend on what role the marketing team do, does play. Um, but you know, I, I think it does come back to those kind of fundamentals around really making sure that the brand comes across to the, the external market effectively, driving that business growth and really understanding clients. I don't think those three things would change, but I, 
I think over communicate and really invest in those relationships was was definitely something that I I learned. So we've had a lot of people on this podcast that have spoken about communication at board level and mm. and you know really understanding the key stakeholders from a marketing perspective. Do you believe that marketing need to work harder than other functions to either prove their value or you know showcase what you're doing as a department? I really want to say no. I really want to be able to say no. But yeah, I do. I do think they do. I think, you know, when you look at if someone said to you, you know, does an organisation need a finance team? People don't even bat an eyelid, right? Mm. Of course you need a finance team. Do you need as an organisation a HR function? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because we, we understand what they do. When you're talking about marketing in a B2B context, people, because we are naturally consumers as individuals, people think, well, if we're marketing to businesses, surely we do that through our client and sales teams. We, There's always this, I, I think there's always a little bit of skepticism or, or misunderstanding around the value that marketing adds in a B2B organization. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and for me, it's not that different to, to a B2C environment in that, you know, you, you really need to get across to your target audience what the organization is about and the value that it adds to their business mm. so from that perspective think things aren't different but yeah I, unfortunately I, I don't think we are um a hundred percent there with people really understanding the the value and impact marketing has and being provocative um <laughs> You mentioned obviously over communicating, right, internally. Yeah. Now, do you think that marketing is tarnished with a certain brush internally by over communicating the wrong types of things previously? Mm, I think it. Ca- I think it can be. I think it also depends on individuals' own experience of marketing. So, you know, whenever whenever I'm meeting um, a new client-facing individual, whether it's a salesperson, someone in service delivery, consulting. I always ask them around, what's your experience of having worked with marketers before? What do you understand about marketing? And that's the first question every time you meet someone for the first time. Not always first, but one of the first questions I ask, because I think it's just really gauging what do they understand around marketing? And sometimes Mm. there's a lot of um, almost re-education around what marketing is about that that I think you, you kind of need to include. Um, I was talking, obviously, I'm, I'm new into um, my role at Pegasystems and I was talking to someone the other day about kind of their experiences of marketing and they'd had a completely different experience of, of what they were expecting versus what the strategy is within marketing to deliver. So I think it's having those expectations aligned and just understanding aligned. Mm. And obviously what you're describing there is doing a lot of a one-to-one communication, Mm. which is, I mean, very effective, but quite time consuming, as I'm sure you can appreciate. Are you given a platform within your organisation, you know, at town halls to talk around marketing? And if you are, what, what do you choose to communicate at those town halls? Yeah, sure. So um, obviously, I'm, I'm new. I'm new yeah. into Pegasystems, but we we do have regular um, what you call kind of town halls, um, regular community calls, so that we can share across the business what marketing mm. is about. That's done both from a, a regional perspective. There's also some global calls, but I would say things tend to happen more at a local level, from what what I've um, understood so far. I, I think it needs to go across the full piece. And, mm. um, you know, it's it's really important that marketing does have that voice. I think sometimes 
marketing is not always seen as that first kind of port of call to talk about different topics and it doesn't always have to be about marketing that mm, marketers mm. can talk about you know i think marketers have a, have a lot to say about various different topics whether it's around you know kind of esg or whether it's around diversity or whether it's around clients themselves and talking about those client stories it doesn't always have to be just around the pure kind of marketing topic but yeah we do, we do have lots of different um mechanisms in which we mm. can communicate do do i think we're always as effective at using them yeah. no i think there's more that we can do well i think that's where i mean you talked about the different topics but there's such an opportunity taking it back to one of the things you said earlier which is especially through it's accelerated through the pandemic that marketing have to be the ones that are responsible for making the organization client centric yeah and within that sort of you know with that sort of platform of a town hall being able to demonstrate that you are the voice of the customer and you own the customer is extremely powerful because there is that understanding of the value that that has mm, yes but the one thing that we you know <clears throat> shouldn't beat around here is that Typically, marketing have spoken a lot around being very close to the customer. And I think that some marketers are, um, they think they're closer to the customer than maybe they actually are. And maybe they're tarnished with a certain brush by the business to, you know, if, if even if they are really close to the customer, sales are always seen as the guys that are on the front line. They, they are listening to the, the, the customer more closely. Therefore, I think marketers have to do far more than just speak at a town hall to try and bridge this divide within businesses that you know they can communicate effectively because it's it's one thing saying you're really close to the customer and you're you've got the voice of the customer but do they actually yeah. but that's what i mean in terms of it it's demonstrable so a town hall is an opportunity to show the demonstrable value that you can bring so if you're bringing insights about the customer and you're able to actually disperse them through the organization then whether you're working in product whether you're working in sales you're getting a material value from that because i think that the where they may have gone wrong previously is what you said is that to profess to know the customer and say we know the customer but there's a huge difference between actually talking about mm -hmm. what you're understanding about the market what are the trends which are shaping what we're picking up from the customers we're working with that puts them in a huge position of power and also has that material benefit to the wider organization as well and i think that's kind of the switch that needs to be placed and of course i think that we probably need to acknowledge that using those whether it's one-to-one -one conversations one of those town hall conversations mm -hmm. to talk about that sort of material growth sort of impact that marketing is having as well yeah because you absolutely are entitled to have that conversation now i imagine you'll probably agree that the trick is not to get sort of tying yourself in knots with all sorts of jargon about sort of mqls and everything but talking in plain language about that contribution is fundamental uh, absolutely um I, th I think language and terminology mm. is really important i never talk about mqls mm. I don't, I don't actually agree with MQLs because um, it doesn't really give you the impact. Mm. But it, it means something different data. to every organisation, yeah. every salesperson, every marketer, yeah. and there's just too many grey areas. Well, that's yeah. why human, human language is the, the best way of doing human it. Human yeah. language and making mm. sure that you're using the, the language that the board uses. Yeah. So, mm. exactly. you know, you're not going to hear the CEO talk about MQLs. Right, but you might hear him talk about the impact on profit, or yeah. you might hear him to, or her talk about the impact on revenue. So you've you've got to use the same kind of language and try and tie the the marketing impact right back to the bottom line. Mm. Um, 
I think, yeah, the, the language and terminology is, is definitely something that I think, you know, as, as day-to-day marketers, yeah. we get so ingrained in mm. what we're delivering day-to-day and the language that we use between ourselves that sometimes we forget to actually just really think about how are we putting that across. Um, just listening to what you were saying as well, I think the other thing that, that should be really important for us as marketers is actually spending real time with clients. Mm. So we get so much data and insight online and we, we've talked yeah. about that. Yeah. But, you know, we are now back in a world where we've got face-to-face sessions. So getting out and seeing clients and spending time with them and understanding more about the impact that your organization has on that client's end business mm. is also something that we can use as part of our toolkit to really show the the kind of storytelling, if you like, around how marketing makes a difference to a company. And that's the danger, right? The danger is, is that the tech stacks have got so sophisticated now and we've got so much data at our fingertips. Mm. It's easy to try and create preconceived um, ideas or assumptions based on the data. Yeah. But the qualitative side of things is so vitally important now. So, um, you know, we've spoken about it on other podcasts, but mm. it's really important to implore any marketer within any environment in B2B to make sure that they carve out time to properly speak to their customers yeah. and ensure that the information they're getting from a qualitative perspective mm. backs up the quant data because yeah. the two together... It's so powerful. ...are really powerful. It's really powerful. Yeah, no, absolutely. And also, I think that in terms of going to those meetings with, you know, a sales colleague, mm. you can act as that perfect foil yeah. for them. Um, because the salesperson will have that sort of existing relationship and there will be that sort of transactional element to what they need to achieve in that conversation. Coming in with those fresh set of eyes, asking a fresh set of naive questions yeah. actually really is what sort of opens up. That's yeah. another thing. And also in my experience as well, say, you know, as a CEO of an agency, I kind of have the ability to ask questions that, um, because I'm a little bit further removed from the work that we do with people, that could be seen as quite naive, you know, in the granularity day to day, but people are prepared to answer them because they know that I'm not that close mm-hmm. to it. And yeah. I get some great insight. And from a marketing perspective, it's exactly the same, right? Mm-hmm. They're not expected to know the minutiae of the conversations that they've had with the sales team, but yeah. you can ask questions that help inform the decisions yeah. you make from a marketing perspective. Definitely. Yeah. And I think just, to, I'm just sort of rewinding a little bit to something you said earlier around the sort of the importance of having qualitative with the, the, the quantitative, which I'm mm. a huge, huge advocate of. Do, do you feel that because there is such a move to the quantification of marketing performance, that that risks some of the intuition and creativity, which is absolutely necessary when it comes to communication within marketing? I think so. But I think you can also use it to your advantage mm. to to drive different creative. Um, you know, I think so, some of the some of the best ideas that I've seen sort of that come through that are creative or yes with people sort of you know in a room talking about things how, how do we really do this um or seeing things um but i think data also gives you that real insight of you know where you should focus your specific efforts mm. so if for example you know that um i don't know you, you've kind of run an event or you've run a campaign and people are really engaging with a particular piece of content that gives you great insight to be able to really use that messaging and look at the creative mm. you're doing around that messaging to get in front of a wider audience. Um, so I, I, 
I think it, I think you need both. I yeah. do. Yeah. But and it's sort it's of not just opportunity. A, no, no, definitely. And I, I completely agree. Just to sort of, I suppose, ask the question in a slightly different sort of angle, but with you know the communication up to the board using the language of what the board would use from a sort mm-hmm. of a commercial or, or growth perspective, is there any risk that? by sort of engaging you know purely on that sort of level from a growth perspective that their expectations become very fixated on short-term growth results have you experienced that and that's a little bit of a limitation when it comes to either longer-term brand building or taking some of those risks that you sometimes need to take from a sort of a creative marketing perspective yeah i i think it depends which organization you work Mm. for um but some organisations, yeah, can can be very short-sighted and driven quarter by quarter. Um, I think other organisations that, you know, have that kind of longer-term plan around growth, I think tend to really invest more from a um, brand perspective and targeted perspective. Um, I, I don't think, you know, we'll ever get away from some of those short-term initiatives to drive mm-hmm. tactical growth. I think just current climate, right? Yeah. You know, we're, we're in a recession, particularly UK. So I, I think, you, you know, you're always going to have those short-term tactical growth initiatives mm-hmm. that get pushed or that you need to drive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you've got to be, you've got to really think about the the brand from a longer-term perspective and be respectful for your brand yeah. um, and how you treat creative. So... Yeah, I, yeah. Depends who you work for, I think. Understood. And um, I think this is a really interesting topic we've got onto around creativity and B two B. Obviously, it's something we've spoken offline about very, yeah. being very important. What do you think are the common misconceptions when it comes to creativity? Yeah, and I, yeah, I, I love creativity. You know, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm, if I'm having a bad day, I always phone someone in the team and go, show me some creativity because I, that's <laughs> that's why I joined marketing. You know, I, I, put them on the spot. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. Um, sorry, I forgot your question, Rich, because I'm just talking. She loves creativity about creati- too much. So oh much. my I'm god! About uh, I said, what, what, what do you think the misconceptions <laughs> around cr- great creative yeah. in B two B? Yeah, that um, it has to be massive and it has to be completely different than mm. anything that's done before um i think a lot of creativity can come from really understanding where the business is heading as an organization and making sure that the creative reflects that you know and reflects the kind of values you have as a as an organization so i think that the biggest misconception is is definitely um that piece that you have to go mass you have to go big yeah. bold it can be small tweaks to something that you're doing. You know, one of the the nicest kind of um, creatives that that I've seen was a few years ago. We'd, we'd introduced um, kind of innovation workshops, which every you know most organisations do, right? But it was done in such a way that it was so tailored to specific organisations that they absolutely loved it, you know, and they got kind of at the end of the innovation um, workshop, they got a rich picture which summarised, here's the kind of outcomes, here's a discussion, which lots of people do. Um, but the way in which it was done was so specific to that individual that was attending that that was amazing. And the feedback that we'd had mm. through from the clients was, this is so creative, I want I want to bring more people yeah. in. Great, great, that, that you know. So I, I don't think creative always has to be big, bold, 
brash. Oh no, absolutely. I mean, we we have you know something that we talk about that it's not the size of the execution; it's the size of the idea. And if you have a really really good strong idea, then that will scale all the way up to a five million pound budget. But it also scale all the way down to five grand. Yeah. Um, if well, it's a good enough. Too far. <laughs> <laughs> but if it's yeah. if it's a good idea, if it's a strong enough story yeah. that you're trying to tell, and it understands the audience that you're trying to reach, you can tell that story in a, a number of different ways, which is why the idea really is king. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. Um, so I think it's probably a nice sort of final segue, actually, um, to what we feel is almost the most exciting question. It's about creativity. <laughs> you'll be pleased to you'll be pleased to, to hear. Is when was the last time that you saw a piece of marketing communication or creative which really just sort of you you really felt you know you, you felt it in your guts either from sort of an emotionally moved perspective or you just felt that that is so on point and clever that it's something which i wanted to step back and just admire yeah, yeah. when was the last time that um, you experienced that i've actually got a couple is it right to to give to well, you said yeah. you love creativity so much that <laughs> so we'll treat you. I do. And if, um, and if they're bad, then Madeline will just edit them out. No brilliant, worries. brilliant. <laughs> Thanks, Madeline. Um, yeah, so so one is um, something that I saw a, a few years ago called, um, I think it's called Catch, Catching Feels. You're going to have to, someone's going to have to check that, but Catching Feels by a company called Mondi. And um, that, that organisation is all around kind of um, print. Yeah. Print equality. And they, they'd run this campaign to um, showcase their new uh, kind of uh, paper product that, that had come out. And just the imagery that was used was so emotive. Mm. And that I can't really explain it, but it was, it was very kind of, um, the creative was very flowy in terms of how it looked and felt. But it brought out different emotions, and they they played with that theme and really kind of brought it through in the campaign. Rich is checking it from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool uh, we won't, we won't mention the agency that did it. Okay, uh, okay. But uh, uh, the the imagery, you're right. It's, it's got a very consumer feel about it. Yeah, um, yeah. Very colourful, very emotional. Yeah, um, yeah no, I can. It's smart, it's right? It's smart in terms of how it was used, and they they've done a whole kind of multi-channel program mm. campaign around it i think it drove about 30 percent growth on on their sales but it it was just very for me when i saw it just ref, a little bit refreshing and a bit made me relook. Mm. um i think the other one that the other example i'd mention um was actually when i was i was at atos and the, the campaign is running now called um it's called the art of manufacturing yeah. and the the reason that it's kind of emotive for me is because one of the team came up with the idea they ran with it. They um, the campaign is all around how you use manufacturing as a process to create art. Yeah, um, and that's how how they linked it back. Um, there was a whole collaboration with um, the Tate Modern Gallery. Um, there was about forty different artists that have been commissioned c- to create these art pieces, and it's now being run globally. There's I think there's five or six different locations where this art is is going round and. Um, it just showed a different way in which the the organisation could get their message across around what the impact was that it had through what they were working on with clients, but showing it in a very visual way. Mm. Um, And being able to engage with clients through kind of, you know, private viewings of the artwork, getting the artists to come in and talk about things, just just a very, and there was also a virtual gallery done as well. Just a very different way to, to kind of approach things. But I... 
I guess it's kind of emotive for me because I'm just really proud of the, yeah. the team that got engaged and yeah and how, how they ran it and pushed forward with the idea so, I mean it sounds fantastic I mean, it sounds also very yeah. like ambitious which is you know lovely to hear you know Partner, partnering with the Tate is an achievement probably um, within itself. J just very quickly, just a sort of a, a final question, because as I said, that does sound quite ambitious. Um, and obviously I wasn't in the room, so mm -hmm. I don't know what the sort of uh, sentiment was like within Atos, but also a little bit of a leap of faith compared to yeah. traditional sort of marketing methods. So if you have learned one thing from that idea to reality, and I'm sure there were obstacles you had to overcome and people you had to persuade, <laughs> What, mm -hmm. what advice would you give to other B2B marketers that want to take that risk and push the envelope? Yeah, I think um, a few different things. I think one, one test the idea with different people. I think secondly, get, get some advocates on board that are going to support you. And I, I don't mean just within marketing. And we, we talked about that earlier. Get people from across the organization in different roles to almost sell it for you. Um, and the third thing I would say is, is, be brave what's you know life's too short i i just think you know marketing we, we are creatives at heart mm. and i think where that's being stifled you know it, it just doesn't bring out the best in in you as an individual or, or what marketing's about so yeah. get get braver get bolder and have fun yeah. with it excellent and if your organization doesn't allow you to be brave and bold leave it there we go. <laughs> <laughs> that is. But I think actually, in, in terms of your, your final answer there, I had, I think, two really big themes that we have discussed. Um, and that first one, and I think it's where we started and it was a recurring feature, is all around your responsibility to communicate. You talked there mm. about how you need to get those advocates around the organisation. And at the beginning of the call, not the call, rather, sorry, I'm too, too conditioned, <laughs> sorry, in terms of doing on Zooms or Google Meets. But in addition, we talked about how, you know, you have to invest that time communicating with different stakeholders within the wider yeah. business about the value of marketing. And that whole importance of marketing yourself, marketing your department is absolutely critical. But that last point that you sort of touched on there, which is around bravery, you know, life is too short. You got into marketing for a reason. Trust some of your instincts and trust some of your passions, because if you have passion, then you're going to be able to push things through. Uh, so I think that's a really nice sort of balance between, as I say, the importance of communication and the importance of passion and bravery. Yeah. Kat, thanks so much for coming on B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks, guys. Cheers. B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more, head to allen-agency.com. You can stream B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. And don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.